This is Melissa Ford-Lockin. Rosalie Petrowski. Susan, Seraph, and Jess. Editors for the Washington Square Review. Washington Square On Air showcases the poetry and fiction of the latest edition of LCC's literary journal, The Washington Square Review, read by the poets, authors, and editors themselves. Expect the unexpected as our contributors express experience and fantasy with humor, imagination, poetic license, irony, and passion. If you love language at its most original, please join us in our audio town square to celebrate a community of writers spanning from around the world to Lansing. This is Melissa Ford Luckin, editor for the Washington Square Review. Today, I'm here with Matt A. Hansen, writer, journalist, and editor. We're happy to have one of his pieces in our upcoming issue. The title of the piece is Mrs. Grammar. Thanks for joining us today, Matt. Thanks so much for having me. It's fantastic. Very delighted. Tell us a little bit about your piece. How did you come to write it? So this piece is really just based on my upbringing in small town America. I'm from a New England town called Mattapoisett. And growing up in that town was sort of like a laboratory experiment in uh, utopian living, I think, as a child, which has been so different than uh, my life uh, in a number of countries and cities throughout the world. First city I lived in was Cairo, Egypt, and I currently live in Istanbul, Turkey. And um, looking back on my childhood, I'm mid thirties now, and uh, from trying to imagine <laughs> just the stark contrast between being a, a seven-year-old in in a classroom uh, versus the the concrete uh, struggles of adult life, so I really wanted to sort of paint a, a picture of that contrast. Um, and the, the, the main character, uh, Mrs. Grammer, who, whose name is based on a teacher I had uh, that rhymed with that name. And, um, you know, as a, as, a, as a child, you see these school teachers and you see them sort of as single professional individuals and it kind of creates this imaginary uh, portrait of a person um, sort of disconnected from the rest of their lives. And uh, in some ways, I think childhood is sort of, uh, can be a disconnection uh, from, from the rest of life, unfortunately, perhaps unless you're, uh, you enjoy, you know, more more healthy relationship to, to childlike impulses, if as a creative person, for example, these kinds of things. So, um, so yeah, I just wanted to paint a kind of a stark, tragic portrait of a, of a school teacher who's facing eviction and also uh, perhaps uh, resignation from work. And uh, this this contrasts with the the students in the class who sort of enjoy this uh, wonderful experimentation and they fail and they are talented and they get to express themselves and they get to be in the center of attention and the teacher brings that out in them and sort of while while napping she disappears and um, 
And then there are these scenes where she's in, in her home. And I, I tried to imagine what that could be like, sort of this afternoon in a small town, feeling kind of disconnected and uh, facing a kind of uh, professional and personal uh, desolation. And so it's got this kind of almost like uh, <clears throat> I think of this uh, lecture by uh, David Foster Wallace, This is Water, about sort of like, you know, what it's like to push uh, a grocery cart through a parking lot and sort of realize that such moments that, um, you know, life is like sort of painful and difficult and, and boring at times. And, um, but <clears throat> uh, the, the wonder I think of, of writing is, is uh, you know, perhaps also a, a painter or, or uh, someone drawing would feel it in, in, that, in that slight specificity um, of each moment, we can sort of appreciate just the, the raw details of uh, that sort of appear to us either in, in, in combinations of memory and imagination. So, yeah, so I think, you know, short stories are, are this, I, I think Juno Diaz said, they're sort of like this close uh, approximation of perfection in literary form. Uh, as opposed to novel writing, for example, which is can be more loose. And uh, so I tried to really just do sort of a contrast, like a basic contrast, childhood, adulthood, you know, the experimentation in, 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 in education, how precious that is, uh, the learning process, and then where you get to fail, and failing is so much part of learning. And... Uh, and then that up against uh, the fact that you know, so many people are facing these sort of hard, concrete tragedies, you know, and and facing them alone, I think, which is uh, on top of that. So, <clears throat> I mean, school being a lovely place in which we enjoy communal uh, life. So I, th I tried to create different uh, contrasts within the story and sort of create a setting in which uh, for, for readers we can perhaps uh, connect with these like slight moments of discomfort along the way. I think especially the commute is sort of uh, this, <laughs> this uh, a special place. For example, this story starts where uh, she's listening to a, a podcast in which there's uh, an author describing the education process as a kind of theater or literature and sort of exaggerating <laughs> with this kind of like highbrow mentality in a sense. Um, so I think, you know, these standards, they're, they're you know, so uh, maybe that could point to this kind of idea of, you know, cultural standard, you know, the, the models of, of high culture and uh, genius and, and, you know, coming down to, to the ground with, you know, the basics of just progressing through uh, your work and uh, engaging with people and things like that. One of the so, things that stood out to me about the story was the narrative style. How did you make that decision? What went into the way that you approached it? 
So do you mean, uh, for example, describing the character? And, it, it has kind of a, you know, an omniscient kind of floating above feel that I think right. helps with that contrast that you've been describing. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I sort of, I think, gravitate toward, I gravitated toward third person in that sense because, you know, I really wanted to create this effect of trying to see you know, more of a person than a person could describe of themselves, perhaps, maybe from the outside, mm -hmm. kind of, yeah, perhaps in an objective sense. A lot of my writing comes from uh, working as a journalist in the art world. Uh, so I kind of have this, I'm, I think I'm, I'm sort of, I tend to think of things in terms of a relationship to objects, describing objects or describing an image in that sense which uh, comes through in the, uh, in the classroom scene where uh, the children are trying to paint, are trying to draw things and having ideas and trying to make connections between language and image. But the narrative style is an is a interesting question. Somehow in, in, um, I almost kind of see a quick leap from journalism to, to short story writing in terms of my practice, um, which comes from this almost like cathartic way of seeing journalism as a kind of short story format way. And so, uh, so I'm trying in that sense, I like to practice uh, the short story form uh, in order to become a better nonfiction uh, writer in that sense. Um, so typically, I mean, of course, you know, first person is a wonderful also a nonfiction device, but uh, in this particular sense, I, I really wanted to look back. This is a kind of a remembering. So it's almost like I didn't want to place myself. I didn't want to uh, directly address the reader, but, um, but I wanted to, so, yeah, sort of have this be a kind of memory that is really also about um, the present. I, I wasn't facing. I wasn't facing eviction or anything. But I I, I did move uh, twice in the last year. Uh, that could subconsciously have affected this story. <laughs> but um, yeah. Well, the the narrative style that you used really mm -hmm. creates that observational feel. So it is. Um, it reminded me a little bit about uh, the play Our Town. Are you familiar with that? I'm not so. Okay, it, it very much matches what you're describing, where you observe people and you get to interpret their lives from a distance rather than, like you said, with first person putting yourself in it. It's more observational. Exactly. Yes, yes. I didn't want to sort of assume that degree of um, tragic uh, circumstance, perhaps. Mm -hmm. um, but I did want to explore it. So can you I, talk I was, a little bit more about your journalistic work? Yeah. So, I mean, I started um, in culture journalism in a digital section of a newspaper while I was still in high school in, in, in New Bedford area. And then I went on after university to into alternative forms of journalism, cooperative media uh, in Canada. And I was always uh, concerned with, uh, you know, uh, healthy subjects, for example, not over victimizing, you know, narratives of oppression uh, that uh, 
through our society, but trying to show empowered at the same time, you know, really reporting about, uh, you know, difficult subjects, you know, in terms of migration and uh, land defense and environmental uh, journalism in that sense. Or, so, so that kind of uh, was why I think I ended up doing more cultural journalism because what I found was that a lot of artists are, are from these uh, incredible backgrounds of untold stories that really fit into the grander narratives that sort of dominate the news cycle in terms of war and uh, economic struggle and these sort of things. So I was kind of looking to connect the dots while making for interesting reads. And um, I continued to do that in uh, New York City for a number of years, um, working mainly in the, the dance, uh, actually, field. I was uh, reviewing two to three dance productions a week um, and doing other forms of cultural journalism. Um, and when I moved to Istanbul, I decided to focus more on the, the art world, world proper, which uh, sort of ended up becoming successful on a local scale. I, I have ended up doing editorial work for every museum and number of galleries and, um, and uh, written for the you know, leading art review publications around the world and um, I, I always I, I always love when the ideas and the practices of writing about art uh, make themselves known in terms of their relationship to literature because so much of um, writing about art is uh, rooted in, in literary work and um, so uh, so that's been so uh, fascinating for me. And um, I've come to a point where I'm trying to do more uh, literary reviewing and um, other kinds of reportage. I, I tend to, uh, I try to find unique, unique approaches and in, in the search for my voice within this uh, incredibly challenging field. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Can you give us an example of a project that you've worked on that really stands out in your mind as achieving your goals? Um, I mean, something that comes to mind is I did a profile of a Kurdish painter named Zehra Doan, who was uh, exiled to London after she was imprisoned for painting the scene of uh, essentially a war crime where the Turkish military destroyed a, a, a town and she painted the town. The painting was seen as evidence, I, I suppose, as a, and, and she was criminalized and, and thrown into jail. And her story from that point is just increasingly interesting and compelling. Uh, on the event of her first solo show in, in her home country of Turkey, I, I was interviewing her and producing this piece about how she survived prison and in prison learned more Kurdish with her fellow uh, Kurdish uh, prisoners and produced a body of work while imprisoned, um, which was incredibly moving. And at the same time, she was, when I interviewed her and still today, of course, she's a young woman who for, uh, 
is really rising to um, types of challenges and types of realities in this world that are uh, unfathomable perhaps to me and that when someone decides to continue to respond to that with beauty and self personal self-expression it's it's so inspiring and and uh, and lovely to to have the opportunity to be in dialogue with with that kind of story and, and try to understand um, that perspective or that uh, the ways in which she is connecting to everyone is trying to connect to people you know by telling uh, those stories. <clears throat> yeah, as you're saying that, I'm thinking about what you said earlier about not focusing on the victimization, but really looking at the humanity. And I can hear that in what you're saying, that you're right. admiring the way that she is doing, moving forward and creating things and still sharing exactly. her voice and perspective. Exactly. Exactly. You mentioned yes. also doing um, literary reviewing. Can you talk some about that? Yeah, um, I, I frequently review um, novels and nonfiction works. And, uh, uh, for example, uh, with a magazine called World Literature Today or World or Words Without Borders or, um, you know, a, n- a number of outlets, um, I, uh, I reviewed a very interesting book last year called The Undercurrents by... Uh, an art writer, art writer named Kirsty Bell, uh, based in Berlin, and um, that was very fascinating uh, because of the way in which um, the first person writing was able to unravel this tangled web of Berlin's history, tied to its cultural heritage, and and in a way that was uh, excitingly contemporary. And um, at the and spoke to these themes that are very uh, alive in contemporary art, where uh, it's not about what what is necessarily visible, but what about what makes itself known through experience, for example, or or through being in a particular place and having a connection with uh, something that is personal. And I think that's like a sort of lovely way that you know any art making tries to come to a place in which outside of the increased commodification of objects and images, how are these ways in which we communicate actually moving us and actually you know connecting us and inspiring us to to you know whether it's an ecology or whether it's our sense of history or whether it's our own experience, health, family, all these, you know, any theme you want, but, uh, that, so I liked, uh, that doing that book. I mean, I recently reviewed, uh, Nights of Plague by Orhan Pamuk, uh, in which I really got to discuss the adaptation of history and contemporary fiction in a way that I found I really grasped. That was exciting, um, to, 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 to write that about, uh, his, latest 700-page historical epic. (laughs) (laughs) Do you find yourself doing research while you're working on the reviews or doing research perhaps after? Of course, yes, yes. Research is so essential 
to uh, engaging with material, I, I think, with any material uh, in, in this field. Uh, of course, um, there's always a constant, for example, constant research of words, constant research of references, and, and supplementary material. Yeah, and I, I of course, I, I mean, seek and in search of, uh, you know, all kinds of uh, sources, whether it's academic or, uh, you know, any kind of uh, artistic work or that kind of uh, research is necessary. And speaking with people, friends, and readers, and such. It sounds fascinating. You must learn a lot of new things. That's why I was wondering if you did additional research even after you finished the project. Of course, I think because uh, so much of what motivates us is this kind of threads of continuity, you know, the, and and always in sort of pursuit of of something that uh, you know we feel like we're getting towards. We're kind of more able to express with greater clarity or, or uh, yeah, uh, yeah, some kind of firmer grasp or something. Yeah, so I mean, everything becomes, in that sense, material becomes sort of the next sort of stitch or knot on a, you know, a line of inquiry that I think. Yeah. What kind of project are you working on now? Uh, a number of projects that I'm doing a I'm doing a, a piece for a journal called Public uh, in Canada, the, and they're an art journal. And uh, the, the piece is a profile on an uh, artist named Iz Oztat, who uh, has created a fictional archive out of an alter ego uh, who uh, lived a century ago. And she, although she lives in the contemporary art world and she's an installation artist, she has essentially created a literary narrative in the form of an autobiography, which is very much in the vein of Virginia Woolf's Orlando and Gertrude Stein's autobiography of Alice B. Toklas. And, Wonderful. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so uh, I'm finding whenever uh, an artist approaches literary history and, and writing, but not necessarily with as much words, for example, or in the same uh, form in terms of writing as, as a novelist would, or a write, you know, writer would, I would, <clears throat> or however we can say, I mean, as someone who deals mainly in images and mainly in you know, spatial uh, expressions, for example, I find that that's always so captivating to me because I, I come from, you know, a sort of background that is really uh, remote from uh, art world type of thinking. I'm, I'm sort of coming from a very literary middle class. It's, a, it's either books or music, you know what I mean? Whatever you can get at this store you know, around the corner, you know what I mean? This idea of, um, you know, unfortunately, I shouldn't maybe say it so generally, but uh, really as an adult, I've come to so my work, uh, fortunately enough to, to appreciate different takes on uh, historiography on how we're creating history and heritage and culture and um, so th that artist in particular um, who I've known and uh, what, what, uh, um, became the subject of this re recent article uh, 
yeah, for example, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I'm, I'm drafting novels as well these days, but I mean, uh, historical fiction uh, and, um, yeah, and I'm trying to sell them to literary agents and, you know, going through the, <laughs> through the process, <laughs> through the, joy, the great joys of, <laughs> yeah, but in any case, I'm familiar, oh no. <laughs> If our listeners would like to stay in touch with you and follow you in your work, where can they find you online? Yes, I mean, they can uh, find me. I have an Instagram, I, uh, Twitter. My name is Matt A. Hansen. I'm in a, in a few different publications. Uh, I, I suppose I'm reachable. Uh, <laughs> <perhaps>. <laughs> All right, well, we'll put that information in the show notes. Thanks so much for spending yeah. time with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to our talented poets and authors. Until next time, this has been Washington Square On Air. Where we showcase selections from Lansing Community College's literary journal, The Washington Square Review, a publication featuring writers from the Great Lakes State, across the nation, and around the world. To find out more about the Washington Square Review, visit lcc.edu slash WSR. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed sharing.